This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 74. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Gavin Zuklinski from Acuity Scheduling to the Baller Circle. Gavin is the founder of Acuity Scheduling, the slickest way for businesses to automate and manage their appointments online, allowing clients to schedule themselves. Gavin is a self-professed tech geek and espresso maniac, a word he does not use lightly, who wholeheartedly believes that business should be fun. So Gavin, I'm happy to have you on the show, happy to bring you to the Baller Circle. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, no problem at all. So Gavin, the uh, one of the first questions that I have for you is, you know, when you talk about uh, you you believe business should be fun. One thing that I think is, is kind of an interesting discussion that's been happening for a while in the, in the space is this kind of idea of whether or not you should, um, if, if, if you should follow your passion and following your passion leads to success or if being successful leads you to become passionate about something you've already found success in. So I guess what's, what's your perspective on that? Oh, man, that, that's an interesting question. I, I personally feel it's sort of like the combo between the two of those because uh, I, I developed a, acuity scheduling um, for my mom. She was scheduling appointments back and forth. And to be honest, at the very beginning, I was really passionate about building things and building technology and like just creating a product. And it really didn't matter what it was. I had no particular tie to appointment scheduling in general back then. But over time, now that I've gotten to like dig in and talk to customers, it's just turned out to be like such a, like a technical challenge and everything else. And then just uh, such an interesting challenge to see how it affects businesses too that although I didn't start out that way as passionate about the particular thing that I was working on it turned into one so I, th- I think I'm definitely in the latter camp I think once you're successful um, and if you're positive enough as a person too you can find joy in almost anything okay okay I like that and and I think that uh, I, I think that's very true I think some people you know that they're, they're I don't know if I'd call it lucky enough but they, you know they, they identify something they're already already passionate about from the beginning and they kind of follow that thing and then they become successful at the thing they're already passionate about which I'm sure fuels even more passion for it but I think for a lot of other people um, it is it is that success that kind of drives the passion to want to keep going with it and uh, it seems like that was the case with, with you um, yeah I, although I think if you're too passionate about like one particular thing it can blind you to what is going to be actually be successful and actually help a lot of people too because um, I have a, like a passion for computer security and network security and all of that um, and I started to go down the line of creating some products with that um, and it turned out once I got down there I realized like the scope of the the amount of people that I could help and everything else although like I actually loved the technology and everything else it just wasn't one that was going to be as big of a business and as big as a financial success as a Q could be. Um, so if I had been just solely driven by going after like the the product, like the thing that I was the most passionate about, um, without giving uh, giving like acuity a chance to flourish, it probably would not have gotten to the point that mm, it is today. That's a really really good point, and I think something that a lot of people may not be thinking about um, because 
I think that that's yeah. I think a lot of times it's kind of like um, what is it they they talk about writers when you're you know you're writing a book and you're 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 really into what you're writing if you've read it you know twenty times and you think it's so awesome and you can't you're kind of blinded to all the things in the book that no one else cares about but you because <laughs> you're too close to the project right and then when someone else gets a chance to edit it they cut out probably you know all this stuff you thought was amazing and they say no you need to get rid of this because. You're, you're too passionate about it. You're too involved in it. And you want to hold on to things that actually aren't going to work uh, for a broader broader audience. Uh, so, Oh, yeah. And I've seen folks on the on the technical side of things get really excited about a particular technical solution. And they think that it is the thing to, like, help somebody. Uh, but in the end, it's it's not like the algorithm that matters. It's it's how you help people and everything else, which often isn't the thing that, that initially drove that passion to begin with. Anyway, I think you can make anything fun. And so we've we've taken some parts in, in acuity that aren't necessarily as fun and turned it into something a bit more enjoyable too. So that's it. And that's another interesting point because, um, I, I was watching a documentary, um, this weekend with my wife and, uh, it was on entrepreneurship and they were just following some startups, uh, that were building up in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the founders, uh, was saying that he hates 75% of the things he has to do every day. And about 25% <laughs> of the things that he has to do is the reason why he does his business. But he's like, you just have to get through all these other tasks that may not be necessarily fun. For you, um, and, and how does that kind of break out in your business? Are there, are there a whole lot of things you have to just get through just because it, it, it needs to get done and um, the rest makes it worthwhile? Or do you really have a way of just making everything fun? <laughs> Man, so there are definitely things that I do that I just don't like. We're we're still uh, we're still trying to wrap up taxes and accounting for 2016. So I I feel that part of it. But with all of that too, I, I found that the nice part is the things that I really don't enjoy um, are not the things that I like like accounting. Um, I don't have to be the best or have the best accountant in the world and have the best accounting team to be great at the business. We do have to be really good at the product. And that's the part that I have to make enjoyable and customer support enjoyable. Um, but for all of the other things, I really just try to outsource as much as possible and get my accountants and tax folks talking directly together so I don't have to be involved in that type of thing. Um, but like, for example, customer support is one that, I don't know, a lot of businesses just like it's the thing you just have to do. It's usually a cost center for the business. It's really not that enjoyable. Um, but I, when we, when I started out Acuity, it was, you know, one of the things like you just, you have to do customer support as part of the business. Um, and then after I was talking to folks, uh, I realized like, well, this could actually be a lot more fun than it is. Like everybody's human talking to humans. A lot of times, like people are just way too, um, rigid in, in emails and support and everything else. Um, so it turns it into a much more formal and stodgy and less fun relationship than it has to be. Um, so we got rid of a lot of that and just started, you know, being human when you talk to people and talk to our customers and being human, you know, just joking around a little bit, having a lighter tone, being able to speak in your own voice, not having canned replies or anything else, and trying to eliminate all of the things that you don't enjoy in customer support, a lot of the repetitive tasks, which actually makes it even better for customers too, since they can figure out things on their own. So the things that we're left with are things that are like uniquely human problem solving and all of that, which is a lot more enjoyable, um, along with having a human tone too, just makes like something that started out maybe not as the most enjoyable thing and turned it into something that right now I... I really love oh, doing too. I, I like that. That's a great perspective. So do you, do you, are you, do you find yourself pretty much able to do that with, with most anything like tasks that you 
look at it and say, you know, this isn't the most fun thing, but I can figure out how to turn this around. And what, what advice would you have for other entrepreneurs who may have a, a plate full of stuff that they just don't want to do and don't like doing and, and are kind of draining their energy? Oh, yeah. And uh, there's also the, the corollary with that is, although there are some things that you don't enjoy and you feel like you have to do, the long-term effects of doing those things you don't enjoy can really sap your overall energy and make you less productive and really bring everything down. And I personally feel that the energy that you have and you bring to the business every day, with the, whether you're just doing frontline customer support or product development or anything else, that's seeps over and and customers can feel that. So if you are being drained by everything in your business, it is going to affect the other parts that you do enjoy and it is going to be affect uh, it is going to affect your customers. That's not going to go unnoticed. So you do have to do something about it to make sure that um, you can continue on and it's not just a sprint for the business, but you can go on for the full marathon of it. And so uh, my approach generally has been to take all the things that I don't enjoy doing and eliminate them. Hire on experts, hire on either either employees if it's something core to the business that you get better at over time or, or hire contractors, um, like I was saying, in the case of things like finances and taxes and accounting and all of that. You don't need that in the company. You don't need another person to manage for that. So go contractors. Uh, and then everything else, uh, if it is something that you truly don't enjoy, figure out whether you can eliminate it because oftentimes those are things that may be like, I don't know, uh, traditionally necessary for a business, but might not be necessary for your particular business. Um, and just get rid of it. Um, uh, and and then try to turn those things around that that you uh, maybe are not feeling as great about, like I mentioned for customer service, and you can turn it into something great. And in the end, we've also taken customer service by eliminating the things that aren't fun to answer so that we can be focused on more of like a human parts and problem solving and being fun. Um, we're able to... to you know, enjoy that task and actually turn it also into something better for the business. Since a lot of the repetitive things are out of the way, um, a lot we get a lot more value back from customers by hearing feedback, by identifying like real struggles in the product that we can in turn um, just try to eliminate and make the product better overall too. Um, so it does turn into a, a more virtuous cycle than when you take out all of the fun things, you can focus on what's truly important. Right. So do you have a systematic way of getting uh, feedback from your customers so you know that you're providing what they actually want? Oh, yeah. And this is something that has changed over time, too. When uh, uh, Acuity wa was founded in uh, in 2007 as a, a product for my mom, just she was, uh, uh, she was a massage therapist. She was going back and forth with clients, you know, struggling to make appointments. So I, I knew that there had to be a better way. So Acuity came out of that as just an easy online tool to help small businesses offer and manage appointments. So Patient zero was my mom, so it was pretty darn easy to get feedback, see what she was struggling with, see like her real business troubles and all that. Uh, and after putting it out online, this was this to me. This was also a side project for the longest time. I had another day job that I really loved, um, but then I would just talk to customers, get it online, and it was a really slow trickle because I wasn't really working it super hard uh, or anything else. But we did get this nice steady stream of feedback through email and customer support and all that. And I think customer support had been key for driving the product development and getting feedback. Uh, then around 2013, um, it got to be big enough where I had to make the choice between the day job that I loved and uh, taking Acuity full-time. And so I ended up taking Acuity uh, scheduling full-time, obviously, uh, hired on a couple more folks and started to grow it. And at that point, when uh, things were growing much faster, um, you're getting like 
no longer maybe just like uh, 50 to 100 new customers a day, but you're getting hundreds of customers per day. The, the email volume and, the, and what comes in starts um, accelerating. And as you make the product better too, uh, what we found is that the people who are truly happy and the people who the product is the best fit for are no longer contacting support. So the value of the feedback that we get from customer support maybe wasn't always the best because it tended to be people sort of at the fringes of who our core customer was. Um, so it's sort of like expanding our customer base and making those at the fringes happier and happier instead of um, improving the, the the base product itself um, to improve it for everybody because they were really happy to begin with. They didn't they weren't emailing in with frustrations as much. So then we've had to start to expand and we do more uh, interviews with just random new users uh, and everything else. We do we do video interviews for forty five minutes to try to get feedback, see how they run their business, so that we can get insights. Uh, do periodic surveys. Um, still a ton. Definitely still customer support is a big driver, but we've had to start to look outside of there to try to you know coax feedback out of people who would be perfectly content using Acuity for years, never contacting us too. So that has changed over time. Hmm. A 45 minute interview, that sounds like a long time. Like, is it, is it, how do you, how do you get your customers <laughs> to be, to commit to that? Um, are, are they just, yeah. we, we bribe okay. them. Uh, you get a hundred dollar Amazon gift card for doing it, so yeah, okay. people people are happy too. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, because I was gonna say like usually when oh, they yeah. when a company contacts me about doing a survey, if it's more than like two minutes, I'm like I don't have time for this. Oh yeah, 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 and we do actually. We just sent out a survey yesterday to a bunch of customers to try to figure out how they're using the product and describing it, so we can work on our messaging and figure out which parts to focus on again. And we'll do surveys periodically, which is like you get the general aspect, but then you still have to dive into specifics right. uh, and. We find with a small number of interviews, uh, you know, screen sharing, seeing how people are using the app, you get more than just what they're telling you. You get what you're observ what they're observing, sort of like the off-the-cuff comments. You can hear in the background just how busy it is. Like, is somebody using your product in like a super chaotic environment? Are they at home with like kids in the background and they might be like stepping away every few minutes? And that's the type of thing that you don't really get um, uh, just when you're through email, you don't get like the whole environment that they're in and being able to, you know, maybe make things a little more joyful for them or make certain aspects a little bit faster to get back to if you have to step away and are, and are constantly coming back to mm -hmm. the site. So with these people, how are you figuring out who to send this offer out to? Because I assume you're not just sending it out to everyone saying whoever wants a $100 gift card, contact us or, or are you? Oh, we'd be flooded with people yeah. then. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so we do uh, a couple of things. Um, in general, we have a good tempo of trying to send it out to um, a, a small subset of new users just completely randomly um, to try to get enough people. Uh, occasionally, we'll also interview longtime users or we'll try to figure out when people are using specific parts of it, like we offer uh, subscriptions. So you can sell like a package of appointments, like you get five appointments a month for 100 bucks, and that re automatically renews month to month. So we might interview those people after we release a feature and try to um, figure out more about them. Uh, but in general, it's really just new users, a subset of those. We figured out the percentage based off of who responds. And then occasionally we'll try to up it and target different businesses. Um, so right now we'll uh, look at people who sign up and if it looks like they're um, uh, if it looks like they're, um, I forget, like a spa or a life coach or like acupuncturist, some of them that we see some more trickier availability types of setups, uh, we'll send it to 100% of those types of businesses and then just a smaller subset of the others. Because uh, occasionally we're, 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 as we go over time, you know, you squash the 
the big things that are really obvious and then other things pop up in their place and then you start to identify trends. We work with tons of different verticals, but then we do notice trends like uh, acupuncturists always tend to need overlapping appointments. So we want to make that easier and easier. So try to interview those folks in particular. Mm. So when you were, I kind of want to take a, a little uh, step back into like your 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 background and like building acuity because when you were talking about how you build this as a product for your mom, at the time, were you thinking like, I'm going to build this for my mom, but I want to grow this into a business or, 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 or was this kind of like something that grew that you did not expect this to become what it did become? <laughs> I totally did not okay. expect it. So I'll be honest, when I started out Acuity, I had a web development company that I did um, also part-time and the intent was that oh, you know, we'll get small businesses who need appointment scheduling and then we'll be able to sell them and, you know, get the rest of their websites going too. And that completely bombed out. And uh, I think I got zero, zero customers that way. Um, but it turned out that people really liked the appointment scheduling part and um, that's, and had self sign up and everything else and really just put it out on Google uh, with no marketing and no uh, no intent to grow it to be very large and definitely not as large serving the tens of thousands of different businesses that it does today. Um, but it still sort of grew just by having people search for it, people like it and refer it to their friends um, until it did get to that point in 2013 when I was like, oh man, this is big enough. Like I can't, I have to either kill acuity or kill uh, my day job. Um, and yeah, and and it turned out that way. And then after that, though, uh, I did take a, a more rigorous approach to you know trying to improve our messaging and marketing and uh, and increase marketing too to try to grow the product. But that came much later after it had already seen seen success with customers. Right, right. I love that. It's it's that story. I, I feel like is something that uh, I hear from a lot of people that they they started out on one path and almost accidentally got into this other path that they didn't intend to, but it was working. So they said, okay, well, let's change directions and go this way instead. You know, I, I kind of equated to like the, the researcher who's trying to like find a way to cure cancer and in their research, they figure out a cure for something else accidentally. And they're like, okay, well, this, this works. So let's go this way. I know you um, start out with heart disease and you end up with Viagra. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I like that. Um, so when you were, when you were starting out and you were building this up, um, what, what struggles did you go through, um, that you can share and, and how did you get through those things? Yeah. So I think like, as I'm talking to you, there's really the two sides. There's like the pre 2013 and the post 2013. And both of those had had very different struggles. Pre 2013, the biggest struggle was, uh, finding the time to be able to dedicate to it. Um, back then it was uh, generally very clear the types of things that I had to develop because I was, uh, spending a lot of my time responding to customers, talking directly with them. I personally had almost hundred percent contact. So, uh, information like getting information from customers wasn't as difficult as it is, as it is today. Um, but finding the time to be able to make those improvements was pretty difficult. But generally, I'd be stewing on something and then have a clear idea by the time. But um, just, you know, I really wanted customers to have the best experience. And to be able to deliver customer support in that type of environment is really difficult because I'd be gone in a day job all day long and then have to plow through all of the emails in the evening, which um, which was totally a big challenge. And at the same time, uh, I would prioritize uh helping customers and uh, responding to their questions above doing new development. Uh, but sometimes that meant 
needing to do new development because otherwise you just get the same questions over and over and over again. So I would find I'd be trying to answer emails like in my car and the commute on the way home and not being the safest <laughs> about it either. Uh, and then there was a time too when we had, uh, this was like 2010, we had some downtime during the day. Um, technical issue came up. I had zero idea until like four or five hours later when I came out to my car and saw my phone just blowing up with a whole bunch of emails. Um, and I still had an hour commute. I was in DC area at the time, uh, driving on the beltway. And it's just like so frustrating, just like holding on like a desk grip onto the steering wheel, like willing all the cars in front of you to go ahead faster because you want to get back to fix this. Like, you know exactly what to do. Only something's preventing you. Um, that now not an issue. Like we have such nice redundant systems. I've had such time to put in like so much effort and to think about contingencies that that's not an effort. Uh, that's not, that's not a challenge. What is a challenge these days is, you know, scaling up the people, making sure that we can keep improving our customer support and like making it sure that employees are happy and continue to like do that because it's no longer me responding to people like me who knows 100% of it. Um, things like training I had never given thought to before, but now are extremely important too. So, And and getting information from customers too, now that I'm not the 100% person responding to everything, has turned that into a bigger challenge as well. Now, I know that um, at, at some point you decided to test out a model where you uh, gave your employees six-hour workdays. And uh, it worked out so well that you implemented that across uh, the company and throughout the year. Um, what I guess, what was it that inspired you to test that out and were the results what you expected? Yeah, so that's uh, that's a fun one. So I, I, I personally feel like it comes back from before 2013 where it's – to me, it's not the amount of time that you spend doing something that that really determines the output. Like I'm more likely to judge based on the output. And I noticed that personally with customer support too, is that doing eight hours of customer support per day, which uh, is a majority of our company and even developers and everybody else do customer support, which is where this came from, doing eight hours of that per day can be extremely draining. So the idea was that... Um, we can probably get eight hours worth of work done in six hours. And I didn't see it as much of a benefit, um, more as an experiment to see if, you know, we could get the same productivity in, in less time because since it is so draining, those couple of hours at the end of your day probably aren't that most productive. So the idea was you take three hours, uh, maybe take two hour break in the middle of the day, and then you do another three hours. But that second three hours, you're coming back refreshed and re-energized from your break that you can actually, you know, be just as productive as you were in the first three hours and we can get your eight hours in there. So if you look at any of our job postings or anything else, we never mention that as a benefit. To me, it's one of those things that is just like, well, duh, it makes sense. We can get, we can be just as productive in six hours as we can in eight hours. Only customers are getting like somebody on the other end who's a lot more energized and hopefully a lot happier at the end of the day. Um, and we tried it out and it seemed to work pretty well. We started it one summer Um and then sort of just kept going with it and kept continuing. And uh, in the end, I, I think that we have happier people because of that. You have people working six-hour days with no commute. All of our team is remote too. So it gives back a lot to the rest of your life. And I and I think that happiness ends up coming over and spilling over in with uh, customers like as that. well. That's nice. Uh, so, so with Acuity, there are a lot of other scheduling tools out there. There's a lot of competition in the marketplace right now. Mm. Um, what is it that that differentiates your company from the competition, and what do you do to stay ahead of the market? Yeah, so I I personally never really look at competitors, but from what or, or too closely rather. But uh, what I do try to focus on is uh, continuing to make the product better based off of 
feedback that we get. And from what I hear, there's a couple of things that people really love about us. Uh, on, on the basics, we're, we're constantly improving. There's a ton of features, really powerful, and it's really built for businesses, and especially businesses who stay today that you make money from appointments. That's why we have a lot of features like just basic payment processing, being able to have gift certificates, packages, and subscriptions of appointments that you can uh, uh, you can start putting you know revenue on autopilot thanks to Acuity and focus more on, on your business. But also going off of that as a business, I, I feel that you should be able to show off your brand, show off yourself through Acuity, and we give tons of tools to be able to change the wording of nearly everything, customize emails, customize the site, the colors, the all the way down to the HTML and CSS if you wanted to, um, so that you can truly reflect your brand and not ours. There's nothing more of a pet peeve of mine than when you go to schedule an appointment with somebody and you see the brand of the scheduler and the colors of them and it looks like you're going somewhere else. The intent of Acuity is really to make it so that um, taking away all of the logistics uh, that go into the day-to-day -day of scheduling so you can focus more on what you enjoy. So we've gone into that with a lot of the features, um, the payments, uh, and then making it so that you can truly represent yourself as a business too. Uh, and yeah, so in the end, um, it, I think that it's really good. Maybe that's one of the things that, that might hurt us for growth in the short term, but I, but I truly believe that it'll help businesses uh, in the long term to be able to you know look like themselves. Okay. So I heard uh, the interview that you did last year with John Lee Dumas, and during that interview, you mentioned that you had received an offer uh, for someone to acquire Acuity. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm curious about what happened with that. Um, it, it seemed like uh, at the time you had <laughs> given a counter offer <laughs> that you didn't expect them to say yes to, but they did. And then you were trying to contemplate what your next move was. Oh yeah, great, great question. And it was that was a really difficult time for me um, because it's like you're saying too before. Like uh, you have to truly love and enjoy your business. I, I feel to be able to continue on for for years and decades to come. And that was the point when you get like a, a potential big load of money in front of you. Um, are you like? Does that like big load of money actually convince you? You're like, well, maybe I won't enjoy doing this for decades to come, and that became a real personal struggle. And I was and I was completely floored right before that interview too. Um, uh, but in the end, um, started chatting with them, and I realized that that the company was not a company that would sort of. Uh, continue on the vision and what I had hoped for Acuity, and it wasn't a company that I could spend decades working with um, because I, no matter what the money is, I want to enjoy my life, and I think to enjoy my life, it's not just sitting in the backyard getting a tan, but it's actually building something and helping people. Um, and in the end, I, I realized that the the company that was talking to us uh, would not be one that I could continue building things with. Um, that I felt there was a lot of potential with Acuity that was going to be squandered, um, and uh, I. I had to say no to a lot of money to be able to continue on building a product and a team that I loved. It did give me a nice kick in the butt to, you know, continue growing the team and getting on more support folks and and continuing to improve the product too. So in the end, I think it was a good one. But yeah, it was definitely a big personal struggle, but I had to say no in the end. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like a very hard decision. And I was very curious to see like, what, what did Gavin do? What happened with that? <laughs> Great research. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Well, Gavin, I'm, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Um, I think you provide a lot of great value. You have a really interesting business and a really interesting story. Um, so before we close out, I want to know, how can the Baller Circle stay in touch with you and learn more about your business? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the best way to get in touch is, um, actually, the best way would be to go to acuityscheduling.com slash ballers, uh, A-C-U-I-T-Y dot 
scheduling.com uh, slash ballers. And on there, I'll put uh, uh, a, a couple of things that I had had mentioned during the show, um, along with uh, my contact info, too. Um, so you can check it out, um, uh, connect with me on, on LinkedIn or anything else. But you can find links to all of that on acuityscheduling.com slash ballers. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Gavin. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers Podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring internet baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers Podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers Podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.